1: Hello, I'm Justine Willis-Toms. Welcome to the New Dimensions Cafe. Today, I'm hosting Hirsch Wilson, author of Firefighter Zen, A Field Guide to Thriving in Tough Times, and Dog Lessons, Learning the Important Stuff from Our Best Friends. I'm speaking with Hirsch at his home by remote connection. Welcome, Hirsch, to the New Dimensions Cafe.
2: Thank you for having me, Justine. I'm really excited to be here.
1: Oh, I'm excited to have you and talking about this question, dogs in our lives. Yeah, you point out that dogs fill our lives as well as fill our furniture with fur and unexplained messes and they can destroy property. Yet it's reported that 65 million households share their dwellings with dogs. So you, as a dog-centric household, what is your insight as to why so many of us choose to invite dogs into our lives? I think
2: at, at a deep level, uh, we all want companionship and we want to be part of a small group, right? Whether call it a tribe, call it a clan, call it a family, call it a pack that's our from an evolutionary point of view who we are and and dogs uh because we've evolved co-evolved for over forty thousand years with dogs um they are a natural part of that of that family Uh, they bring so much they bring love uh, they bring fun they bring the need for freedom for going on walks they just add so much more than they take away Um, and i think once you've had a dog in your life um, a life without a dog is just a poorer life.
1: I hear what you're saying. They do add a lot. They add their enthusiasm for life, their ability to be here and now right here in the moment. They greet us with exuberance and they don't care if we've taken a bath or if our outfit matches or, or right. if we've had a bad day. They just love us. They're loyal. All of those things. And even with that, it is a big commitment to invite a dog into your family. It's not just an aside. Oh, let's just get a dog for our family, and then we'll put them in the backyard and forget about them.
2: Exactly. I think um, I think the most important message of, of the book I just wrote, "Dog Lessons," is that we cannot take dogs for granted, and I think we have to understand that they're sentient loving beings and that when you invite a dog into your house it changes your life and some of those changes are just because the dog's present some of the changes are because it's like when you love somebody when you love a being you have to make changes to your life and i think uh, for example how long can you leave a dog alone Uh, you should never chain a dog Um, you should never leave a dog outside by by his or herself they should they should be a laundry part of the family And in our, uh, the way we have dogs is that we want them to be dogs. We don't want them to be robots. We don't want them to be toys or, um, you know, appliances. Um, They have the run of the house. Um, They're on on our couches, on our beds. They are laying at our feet all the time. We want to be with them. And I think, and this is just my obsessiveness showing, is that you have to be able to commit to that kind of lifestyle in order to raise and be a healthy guardian for a dog.
1: I'm thinking of some of the objections that people will have. Dog smell. Okay. Mm. Dog shed. Okay, mm. there's another. So right. people say, okay, well, if you can't commit to bathing your dog regularly and grooming it regularly, maybe you shouldn't have one. Exactly. Let's talk about some of the rewards.
2: When you come home at the end of the day, you're you you you're greeted with enthusiastic unconditional love who does not want that in their life right um my dogs when i'm working at my desk they lay at my feet right they, they, they'll sleep at my feet and if i if i get up and move to another room they come with me it's that companionship i want to be with them and they want to be with me so that that is the relationship of love uh call it whatever you want to do it call it but i call it love Um, And who does not want more of that in your life? So I think then there's all the other things that that dogs bring. They bring an alertness and awareness, a situational awareness that we don't have. So we always know if something's going on, whether there's a deer in the backyard or coyotes howling or the UPS guy coming up to our door. We always know what's going on. So that's just kind of an an added benefit to having a dog. But mostly it's based on I want to be with dogs. I love dogs. And my life would be um, a lot, lot less fun. Clearly, uh, it'd be a cleaner life. <laughs> but, but you know, that's something that um, you know, when when you have a lot of love in your life, life is messy. Life is gloppy. It's messy. That's the way life is. And the older you get, the more you realize that. So you you kind of accept that as part of the, the of, of what it means to have a
1: dog. I know one of your precepts is stuff happens, so walk your dog.
2: Right, right.
1: So the benefits of walking our dog, let's highlight some of those, Hirsch.
2: Sure. I think the best part of a day for a dog, and for me, is our morning walk. And it is such a profound experience if we pay attention. So dogs are just so excited to go on a walk. And it can be the same walk we take every day because they're curious beings. They teach us curiosity. What is that smell? Um, that flower wasn't there yesterday. Look at that rabbit running across the road. What are those birds saying? How many birds are there? What, are they, what kind of birds are they? And, and it's just when you when you go into the natural world, you're enveloped with questions that you can't answer because we don't we don't know a whole lot about the natural world sometimes. And dogs, by their curiosity, by their attentiveness, just teach us how to be in the natural world. We walk every morning and it is every, every walk is a different walk. I've never seen a a bored dog on a walk. They're always excited, curious, and attentive.
1: When you say every walk is a different walk, you don't mean you're taking a different path.
2: No, there's an old saying that you you can't step into the same river twice because it's always changing, always moving. And that's the way the natural world is. Um, even though it's the same road, every morning is different. The light's different. The temperatures different. The animals you see are different. So it is different every day.
1: This is a kind of an odd thing for me to bring up, but I'm going to bring it up. Let's talk about doggy doors.
2: Okay. I love dog doors. Yes. Yeah.
1: You learned about doggy doors after letting them in, letting them out, letting them in, and you have f- figured that out. So what's the advantage of doggy doors and what must we watch for
2: well i you know i think we compare dog a dog door to the iphone right none of us knew that we needed an iphone until we got one and we oh my god what an invention well dog doors were that way to us we we're slow adapters we are just not we're not like the new adapters so we got a dog door and it changed our life we have a big fenced yard so now the dogs can go in they can go out they go in i don't have to i don't have to get up to let them out they're not constantly barking to get out. They just go out, and then they come back in. So that was that was great. Uh, we have a big fenced yard, and we don't have a lot of animals that would take advantage of, uh, uh, of a dog door, like raccoons uh, or even a coyote. Or in Florida, this this man uh, got up in the middle of the night, and he went to a shower, and there was a seven-foot boa constrictor in his shower that had gotten in through the dog door. So we don't have those problems. Right. Um, so our dog door is perfect for us in New Mexico.
1: Well, I'm thinking um, when I had a cat door and we learned very quickly that raccoons figured that out. Right. Very quickly. Right away. And They're very so smart. what we did was that we put little pivots on them where we would close the door at night. We did not allow our cat to get out at night. Right. That's smart. And that worked for us. And boy, the raccoons really scratched and really worked (laughs) at at trying to to get in anyway. But the one other disadvantage about it was once in a while, she would bring a mouse into the house. Mm -hmm. That was a little problematic. So we would just kind of help her watch and find the mouse and eventually catch it and let her naturally catch it or we'd find a shoebox to cover it. But one time we were watching television and she saw a mouse on the television and she got up and she went behind the television to find the mouse.
2: (laughs) That is so interesting. I had no
1: idea that that her eyes could pick up But that also reminds me that their whole perception of the world is very different Mm -hmm. from ours. So Mm -hmm. say something about that.
2: Sure. Well, so a a dog senses, uh, although they can see not as well as us, they can see in dimmer light better than us. But their primary sense is smell. Um, So a a dog inhabits a world of smell. So when you when you walk out the door, and this is not a complaint but a su- suggestion, when you walk out a door with dog a dog going to walk, and we're and and they stop to smell something, and we pull them away, right? That's as if if we were in a movie and the most dramatic scene was coming out of the movie. If we put a bag over our head, right? Because our our primary our primary sense is sight, and a dog's is primary sense is smell. So um what you want to on a walk it seems to me is that we want our dogs to be able to smell everything they want to smell um, because that's how they enjoy the walk and I think there's um, it's always understanding that our perception not only as a species but as individuals is different for everyone dogs perceive the world differently than we do cats perceive the world differently we differently than we do and it's important for us to kind of understand that and allow them to inhabit the world that they inhabit. And, and give them permission and, and not to and not to anthropomorphize what a, a dog or a cat uh, is seeing or experiencing.
1: Okay, if you want your walk to be a power walk, you know, right. an aerobic walk that you're going to get your steps in and you're right. going to get your exercise in. Then you may not want to take your dog with you because right. you, what you're saying is we need to allow our dogs to wander around and do what they do.
2: Yep, yep. Our, we our walks are meanderings. We go back, we go we go forward, we come back three steps. Um, and I've kind of let go of, of the morning walk as exercise. It's really a chance to explore and to kind of put yourself in the in the life of a dog. So sometimes the walk in the morning is the only time they get to be outside. So let them experience the walk. Let the walk be theirs.
1: I love that. And I want to end this conversation with um, a thought about the images that came to us when we saw these first images of people in Ukraine fleeing from bombardments and war and they were having to abandon their homes. And so many of them were carrying their dogs and their cats and their companions. It was just so moving. What do you have to say about that?
2: I think the historical perspective, let's talk about in the book, is that in uh, the beginning of the Second World War in London, um, when people had such a vivid memory of the First World War, the message went out, if we go to war, send the children to the country, close the blinds and kill the cat. So the idea was euthanize your animals, um, which was kind of an accepted idea. And then you flash forward to Ukraine and people are, are, are running away from the, the Russian invasion and they're taking their animals. And one of my most vivid memories is of a man with his family. You know, this is a modern city. This is like us in New York or in, in San Francisco, a modern a modern city of having their family walking, carrying everything they could carry, and then having a little uh, six-month-old husky puppy on his shoulders, taking their animals with them. And I think that just shows what a significant shift we've gone through in understanding how important our pets are to us, that they are, as you have said, part of our family, and we're going to take care of them no matter what.
1: That's so beautiful, beautiful, and may it be so we allow more of them to be part of our family and parents to rescue dogs right, and cats. Exactly. Yeah. So thank you so much, Hirsch, for being with us today on the cafe. Thank you. I've been speaking with Hirsch Wilson, author of Firefighter Zen, A Field Guide to Thriving in Tough Times, and his most recent book, Dog Lessons, Learning the Important Stuff from Our Best Friends. To find out more about his work and his blogs, go to his website, hirschwilson.com, and he spells his first name H-E-R-S-C-H, hirschwilson.com. Or you can get there through the New Dimensions website, newdimensions.org, where you'll find over 1,800 programs in its archive. I'm Justine Willis-Toms. I want to thank you for joining us on the New Dimensions Cafe